I'm Jojo. I'm Bugs. And welcome to our podcast. We bring our sidewalk conversations to your home to discuss love, life, and how they're all wrapped up with faith. Unexpected Hope talks about life when expectations don't line up with reality. Hear true stories when only faith and resilience get you through. Let's go with the flow. Woohoo! Welcome everyone to episode four of season two. Christy has always wanted to be a doctor. And after going to an Ivy League medical school and entering her residency at one of the most prestigious programs, she soon realized it was not what she was meant to be. Hear her journey of hope through this unexpected shift. Christy is another great friend of mine from college with whom actually we've gone through a lot. We've gone through youth group and I was a bridesmaid at her wedding. But one particular transition that we're going to talk about today is what we're going to talk about today. So thanks again for joining us, Christy. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I remember that you majored in English during college. Is that right? Yes. So let's actually like back to the beginning and just explain the early years of your life and what you expected your life to be during adulthood. Well, so yes, I don't know how far back you want me to go, <laughs> but you know, I've always been, you know, hard working A student and, and I think that's something I took pride in, you know, as a kid getting good grades at school, doing well in school wasn't hard for me. And my family was very achievement oriented, you know, getting a B is like a big deal yeah. <laughs> or it was a big deal at the, you know, in my, in my home and. Yeah. You know, if, if you weren't, you were getting straight B's in a class, then, you know, it's time to get out the tutor and get that A average back. So there was, I guess, higher expectations for achievement and doing well. And of course, it was expected that I would go to college and, you know, go to a really good school. And, you know, it was never defined what kind of career, but a good career. What was a good career in your household? You know, like I said, it wasn't defined, but I mean, it was kind of left open. But I, I do remember I would suggest things as a kid and, you know, uh, one of my parents would be like, oh, well, I don't think that, I think you could do something better than that. Or, you know, I don't know. Does that pay well? Thankfully, I wasn't like planning to be an artist or something. I mean, I'm sure it would have been okay in the end, but I always <laughs> felt like I needed, especially since, you know, I did well in school that I needed to like capitalize on that and, and, and find like a pretty, I guess, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's high paying job or one that just required a lot of education. And it, it, that's kind of the only things I had in my mind I had to require, you know, lots of education to get there and, you know, paid well, make, make a really good living. And so just making sure that you are set up for life with I, this career. I think so. I think that's what they were always thinking about, you know, just they wanted me to be taken care of and be able to have a good living. So we well, met each other at Stanford and you majored in English. Where did you think that you were going to go with that? You know, I really, honestly, I didn't really know. I mean, mm-hmm. college was a, a challenging time for me. As you would call, Stanford yep. is filled with very talented people. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a very um, humbling and eye-opening experience when you realize, hey, there are lots and lots of smart people here. And I'm actually not doing that great. Um, <laughs> so I had come into college, well, I think really uncertain what I wanted to major in. And I just decided to do English because that's the classes that I could do well in, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have like a clear vision of my passion or anything like other people seem to have. No, I didn't really. I didn't <laughs> Don't worry, know. I didn't either. 
Yeah, I just, I knew I was like, well, I enjoy my English classes and I'm able to get decent grades in them. So, hey, maybe that's my major. <laughs> I mean, probably in junior year and senior year, at some point you're going to go into real life. What career path did you decide to go? Well, I toyed a while with PhD or that kind of thing, but in the end, I kind of just decided, okay, well, maybe I want to be a doctor. And I don't even know exactly what went into that. I think it was just more like it sounded like a good job, you know, well pay all the men all checked all those boxes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I guess I thought I, I would probably like it, you know, it seemed interesting, but I, there wasn't a lot of like deep personal investment in a way. It was just kind of like, well, I need to figure something out, you know? Yeah. I mean, did you do any like biology courses before? Well, just when I started to do the prerequisites, the pre-med curriculum, and I didn't find those very interesting or exciting, but I was like, well, they always say that that's not the interesting part of medicine. So that's okay. Yeah. And like I said, I guess very practical. I was like, well, I need to have a, a career and, and this seems like a good one. Job stability. I remember thinking that it seems like there's always need for doctors and you always have a job yeah. or some kind of job. So yeah, it's good career stability for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let's actually go back to the process of being a doctor because it's a long process, right? Yeah, for you sure. Know? I mean, for some people, they could be our age and still doing training. Yeah. I'm sure, of course, you're for your undergraduate degree and then you have to get into medical school and then that's another four years. Mm-hmm. And then once you're done with medical school, then you apply to be accepted into a residency program. And those can range from like three to I guess three to five years. Mm-hmm. And then for a lot of people, they go into specialties, which then are another, you know, a couple of years. And some people do like several fellowships. And like uh, I said, it, you know, I'm sure we know people like that who are. <laughs> yes, we're still going in their yeah, you know, yeah. 30s and above. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I actually love that you were in medical school in New York because every time I would go home to New York to visit my parents and like my family over there, I got to see you at Columbia. How was medical school life there? Well, it wasn't fun. It was okay, but I mean, it was very hard and another level. I mean, a medical school for me, at least I was just forget about like being at the top of the pyramid. I was just wanting to pass my courses because they were pretty hard. And, and there's, you know, again, a huge amount of smart people, especially people who are very gifted at memorization and it was a lot of memorization and a lot of just studying and it was hard I didn't it wasn't like I wouldn't say it was a fun time but it was doable and you know I was able to somehow pass my courses and get through the first two years are kind of traditional courses with a professor Mm -hmm. and uh, being in, in class and then the last two years are when you are supposed to go into the hospital and the clinics and sort of learn about what being a doctor really is and are applying all the knowledge you've learned. So I was just like survival mode, just trying to get through it, knowing that this is the path I'm committed to. And I just got to get through it and how humiliating to be like to fail out of medical school. (laughs) That was, you know, a big part motivation. And, you know, and they always tell you, this is you know supposed to be miserable. Like it's supposed to get better once you're in in the clinic or with patients. And that's when it will be really you know, interesting and you'll start to enjoy it more. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is just supposed to be miserable. And and I think for most people, it probably is. I mean, what did you expect your life to be as a doctor though? I don't think we ever talked about that. You know, I really didn't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to, because there's been so much training involved, so much preparatory work and 
I did do some like shadowing experiences, sort of get an idea. And, okay. you know, I, I think at that point in my life, and maybe this is true for a lot of people, but still trying to figure out what I would like and what I would fit mm-hmm. in, what works for me as a career, even mm-hmm. trying to envision yourself working in the real world was kind of a weird thing at that age. Yeah. So, I mean, all I could see was like from the limited experiences I've had or TV shows. And I'm like, well, it looks looks like a lot of people find it a very fulfilling career. So I probably would too. At, at some point you realized this was not for you because you graduated from medical school. You actually went to a really prestigious uh, residency program in Washington. And then at what point did you realize you know what, maybe I don't really want to be a doctor. I don't honestly, I mean, from the beginning, I was just like, oh, I hate this. Mm. But, you know, I think there's a high level of denial because, you know, you're committed to this. You you put so much effort. There's so many building blocks to get to this point. It sort of feels like point of no return. Mm. And so I was just like, okay. And, and they tell you, you know, they're like, oh, well, intern year is really tough. And then once you become a, a resident, it's a little easier. Once you're a senior resident, you know, they're always saying, oh, oh once you're intending, you'll, you know, it's way better. You know, there's, they're always telling you that. Because I think it is common to feel like, you know, really overworked and, and the hours are horrible and, you know, like 80 hours a week that you're working and having to stay up all night and work 30 hours. I mean, most of you probably heard these sort of like stories, but then they really are true. I mean, they, there's a real huge physical sacrifice that you make of your sleep and your and your energy and then you're getting sick constantly because I was in pediatrics which is mm-hmm. constant ill till you know clinic just constant sneezing and coughing yeah. and so I was getting sick constantly I was never sleeping and it was it was hard and I didn't really in, in enjoy a lot of parts of it and so it was very confusing and in a lot of ways you don't really have time to be thinking a lot about it either like in your free time you're just trying to sleep or you know relax and not be you know doing a lot of self-examination yeah so it was just kind of survival mode for a a long time and um, thinking oh maybe it'll get better or maybe I will feel more in sync Um, maybe this is normal because I do tell you oh it's normal to feel miserable (laughs) So maybe around my second year, I I got to the point where I was like, this is really untenable. Like I hated going in. I was like dreading going into work Mm. while I was there. I was just cutting the minutes till I could go home. And, and, you know, it's apparent to other people, the people you're working with, if you hate where you're at, you know, it's hard to hide that. So other people would comment on it and they just don't seem happy. and, And I felt like, And it was hard too. I felt like I was putting in like a thousand percent of energy trying to, and I realized that when you hate what you're doing, it's like, you can put in all this time and energy and effort and still what comes out is like 10%. So it was just a very discouraging process. I felt like I wasn't doing well. I felt like I was trying really hard and I just was so miserable and just like hated it when it was very challenging time. Yeah. I mean, you talked about checking the boxes and you talked about doing every single thing that you felt you were expectant to do. And then when you start to feel like, okay, I don't think this is my path. I mean, were you nervous about maybe possibly changing your career? Because at this point, like you've already gone to medical school, you've done like you said, two years of residency. Did you think that you were able to turn something around? Well, I got to the point where the decision was really forced on me at a certain point. Cause you know, I was like, well, I can't keep going on like this. It wasn't really something I wanted to do. I wasn't excited about changing. I felt very nervous. I felt like I didn't even know what you do. I mean, what does the dropout doctor do? <laughs> you know, there's no job opportunities mm-hmm. or at least I'd never heard of any at that mm-hmm. point. 
Yeah. You know, they don't really educate you on anything else besides the traditional route of, you know, being in a clinic or a hospital. I just felt like, mm-hmm. like all that time and energy, it was a waste if I left. Mm. And so it was really hard. I mean, it, like I said, it didn't feel like a choice. You know, I was just like, you know, so miserable, so unhappy. I mean, it's such a hard job. I don't know yeah. how you could really do it without loving really it. loving it. Yeah. Because of you know, the sacrifices and time and energy and everything that you have to put into it. And if you are not enjoying it, then it really, it's almost felt impossible for me to continue on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably speak for everyone else who's not a doctor. You would want your doctor to love what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, did you feel trapped? Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, because it's just like you put in so much effort, so much time and you are groomed to think that this is the ideal profession, I think in a lot of ways. And that the worst thing is failure. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's an element of medicine. I mean, there's always within the, the profession, there's this idea of you're being like humanitarian or really you're selflessly, you know, caring for others and all that. But I mean, I think it's like, any people are people everywhere. And so everybody is trying to get the like highest paying specialty. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of like backstabbing and toxicity mm. within too. Yeah. But you're, everyone's supposed to think that you are in the ideal profession, but it, it, it there's like a huge fear, I think not just, I could feel with everybody about if you don't make it, then you're like a complete failure, mm-hmm. not just in your career, but in your, as a person or as life, you know, I think the culture really promotes this feeling like you can't leave, or if you do, there's really no, nothing else for you, or at least I felt that way. And so it, it was a huge, when I did ultimately decide to not go back or not continue on. And it was devastating, you know, a huge loss of my identity. Mm-hmm. And loss of identity and loss of direction. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't even have an idea of what I would do. Like really zero idea. I mean, I started to try to look into things, but there really is no education on any alternative paths. So it it seemed like I would just have to go back to school in a completely different field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's finances involved and you need loans and all that as well. And so it was really scary and a really difficult time. And, you know, I had um, a lot of other stuff going on. I remember I had to move my apartment because I, I thought I needed something cheaper because I didn't have any income coming in. Yeah. I hadn't really, you don't get paid me going to school. And then as a resident, you get paid pretty low salaries. And so I didn't really have a ton of savings either. I think I had like $5,000 in my bank account at the time. Wow. And I, yeah, I was like, well, maybe I need to move back home. My family lives in Alaska. I'm like, okay, maybe move to Alaska and just try to figure something else out, you know, which for me seemed like <laughs> the most depressing thing to be like moving back home at oh my God. Well, I mean, 28 well, I, or what, 29 or whatever. Well, how did your parents, how did your family, how do your friends respond to this? Oh, everybody was like, you need to stay, you know, just stick it out. You know, it can't be that bad or pretty much universally. I don't really remember anyone telling me it's okay if you want to leave. And when you told your residency program, is it, I'm ending this. Have they ever had someone do that before? Yeah. I mean, they were, we were kind of in discussion about this for like a long time. Oh, cause they knew. They knew. Yeah. And so it wasn't like shock, surprise to them. And I guess, I mean, I'd known of other people who left, so it Mm -hmm. wasn't like unheard of at all. 
Yeah. Like even while I was there, there are people who, who left or I mean, people would switch programs or people would. And of course, there's stories about really sad things happening. I mean, I didn't know anybody personally, but, mm-hmm. you know, residents or, or medical students who, you know, committed suicide or, yeah. you know, dropped out and you know, had breakdowns. I mean, those things are it's not as uncommon, I think, because it is a really hard job. And they make it seem it's kind of almost like you're in the military or something where everyone's like, oh, you just got to keep going. And of course, you no sleep and tons and tons of hours. But, you know, everyone has to do it. You all have to get through and it'll get better later. So but I think it really takes a toll on on certain people. I I mean, I can relate like I wasn't on track to be a doctor, but Mm -hmm. I do remember there was a job that I felt like I did not belong in. It came to a point where my hair was falling out. Like I was having panic attacks. I was losing weight. And I started to realize something is wrong here. (laughs) Maybe this is not the path that God wants me in. And it sounds like that was the same for you. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like when you're in a a crisis or a trauma at the time of, it's like, oh, you know, I should have been like looking back. I'm like, I should have been leaning on the God more. I mean, maybe I was, but you know, not enough. It's not until after you're, after it happens and then you're trying to pick up the pieces and then you're like, oh, Hey, you know, maybe I should be praying or maybe I need to talk to God about this a little bit more, but yeah, in the time, I mean, and I was praying about it. Mm -hmm. I remember my prayers were always that I could somehow make it Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to finish. It just like seemed like the ultimate failure not to finish. And maybe you know, and it's kind of like you want God to say, okay, well, you know, I'll make it possible for you to finish or when he doesn't. And then you're like, oh, but maybe not thinking, looking back, maybe he wanted me to go through that humbling experience because I needed to trust him more. I needed to lean on him mm. more. And really, and then it's just like another waste of a year because that wasn't the right path for me. Maybe it's something I should have done like years before. Honestly, this is now 10 years after this. I mean, what have you learned from this? I mean, this is one experience in my life where I can look back and I can see, oh, you know, this is one place where I can really have the hindsight and and be able to say retrospectively that God really did work things out for for good and that that was the best thing. And it's hard when you're in a a difficult situation to really see that Mm -hmm. in the moment because it's just miserable or you have so many heartache or grief. And I went to counseling. I remember several different counselors and I mean, it's very lonely and, and just, and it's hard to, to understand in those moments, like, why did this have to happen? Mm. But, you know, now after almost a decade has passed, I can see how God has really taken care of me and, and moved my life in such a better direction than if he had allowed me to finish that residency and probably go into some clinical job. Mm which I think I would just have continued to hate. And I don't know, maybe worse things would have happened in the way that God has really cared for me and helped me to find sort of a new path for, for my career and a new a job environment and learn about myself, like really what kind of job and environment and what kind of lifestyle I can, you know, is really good for me and, and what the best fit is. And so you know, those are things that for me, I guess it was, it was a hard way to learn, but I'm thankful, really thankful now that happened because I feel like my, my God has really blessed my career since, mm-hmm. you know, God always does work things out for good. I mean, it's just hard because you have to wait so long to see <laughs> sometimes or to that's, have that perspective. Yeah. And that's where the trust comes in, right? Um, yeah. And I feel like trust is sort of a minute, my minute 
process sometimes because like I said, it requires so much patience and, you know, you can't see the end result or the big picture. And that's a constant lesson for myself when, when I face difficult situations currently Mm-hmm. Or things that are not going well or did not go to plan or are really heartbreaking for me. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to pull yourself out of the emotions to see like, well, I know this example of how God has really provided for me. And, you know, I can see why he took me out of that situation even, or I can see why this hard thing happened because he turned it into something so much better, so much more blessing. And so I have to keep reminding myself of that over and over again, whenever I do face things that I don't want. And don't understand. Right. Or really hard or or confusing. During that time, were there any Bible verses that you leaned on? So there's one Isaiah, I think it's 40, 31. Yeah. Yes. Where it talks about how you'll soar like wings, eagles. I don't have it written down right in front of me, but (laughs) that one, I remember, um, that was kind of what, as I was going through sort of the early days of residency and just dreading each day. And actually a friend shared it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just coming back to that verse over and over again about how it says that you will soar like wings, like eagles mm-hmm. and that the Lord will help you. I mean, I'm not quoting it verbatim, but walk and not be weary, mm-hmm. run and not be faint. You can do all these things through the power of God. And so I think he really did, you know, even as I was going through this, this whole process, you know, just not just the residency part, but the leaving residency and all sort of the mental, emotional challenge of trying to pick up the pieces and move forward, you know, that he was, you know, God was really there for me. Yeah. And looking back, I can really see how he took care of me and, you know, helped me through those difficult days. Well, I mean, thank you so much, Christy, for sharing your story. I know because I've known you for many years now, and I've seen kind of like the progression of that hard decision and what the past nine, 10 years has been after that. And it's just exciting just to see how God can just, just continue your journey in a way that you're not expecting, but is probably the best for you. So thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. I think just to encourage people who are struggling in their career, trying to find what fits. I guess that would typically be people in your twenties, but I mean, I'm sure it happens to some people in their thirties or beyond when just to be in hopeful that God will reveal to you the right path and that, you know, that good will come from that. That's like a sanctifying process, right? I mean, I also trust that God has a calling for everyone. And if it's not where you're supposed to be, he'll make it no right. um, and direct you to the path that he wants uh, you to be in. So I always like, remember that verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It will show you the right path. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Josie. Christy's story reminds me of one of my favorite verses. Isaiah 40, 30 through 31 reads, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Take courage. God is with you. On our next episode of Unexpected Hope, Holly struggled with food addiction, but through divine interactions, she found healing from her addiction and past traumas.